Blackhawks won the draft lottery. So they get the first pick in the 2023 draft. Isn't that awesome? I knew you guys would be excited about that. But I am excited. Because this year, um, it would be big any year, but this year is especially big because there's a kid by the name of Connor Bedard out there playing in the Western Hockey League that is a generational talent. And uh, he's going to change, hmm, change the face of Blackhawk hockey moving forward. But I do want to go back a little bit in time, just back to 1849, because it was back in 1849 that a French philosopher by the name of Alphonse Carr wrote this. He wrote it in French, but I'm going to give it to you in English. He said, the more things change, the more they stay the same. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And this is a really kind of interesting little idiom that, you're, that you have to ponder for a moment to completely understand. And despite the fact, friends, that this saying is over 150 years old, I don't believe that it's any more relevant than it is today. Because we live in a world in which change is occurring at a pace never before seen. And it keeps accelerating. It keeps going faster and faster. Why, just in my lifetime, we've gone from chiseling our homework answers in tablets of stone. Okay, maybe I'm not quite that old. Maybe some of you are. But I predate computers. Thank you. I predate computers. I remember back in typing class in high school, there was only one room that even had electric typewriters. Electric typewriters. And there was no such thing as word processing. But we've seen computers go from the first computer, which took up an entire room, to today, you hold in your hand, in your cell phone, more computing power than NASA had to launch the first space rocket. Technology is advancing at a breakneck pace. And now we see the advent of computers that can think for themselves. Artificial intelligence. Yeah, what could go wrong there? Anything? Can't imagine it, right? But technology is moving at an incredible pace. And, and then think about our culture. Think about the world in which we live. The world wants to change things that seem to be unchangeable. Culture is trying to change the meaning of words. Or cancel some words out altogether. Culture tells us that there's no such thing as gender. Gender is fluid. It's, it's whatever you want it to be. It's whatever you feel. Culture tells us that there's no such thing as absolute truth. It says truth is relative. What may be true for you may not be true for me. It's all relative. And they say that morality is relative. That's why they can call abortion. They don't call it murder. They call it 
women's reproductive health care or women's reproductive rights. And, and friends, I could go on and on and on about the culture today, but I'm here to tell you that it's all nonsense. I'm sorry, it's nonsense. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And I can't tell you definitively that this is what Carr meant, but what that saying tells us is that change does not necessarily alter reality. Friends, things are what they are. You cannot change what is real. You cannot change what is true. And as we face change in this world, and even change here at Hope Church, I assure you, friends, I assure you that there are things that will not change. Will not change. Isn't it comforting to know that there are things that you can grab onto and you can hold onto that will not change? So this morning what I want to do is I want to point us to three truths that will not change. Friends, you can take these to the bank. The first is this. God will not change. Friends, God don't change. And we know this because this is one of the attributes of God. And this may be one of the most important attributes of God, his unchangeableness, especially when you look at the world today, right, and you look at this culture that we're immersed in, and what we see is the world wants us to believe that God has somehow deviated from his original commands. You know, what God defined as sin in the past, culture now wants to reinterpret. It wants to change it. They say, oh, yeah, that may be the way God was. But now he's so much more tolerant. Sorry, guys, that just isn't true. God is unchanging. He's unchanging in his being, in his perfections, in his purposes, and in his promises. God doesn't change. And he doesn't change his mind about anything. And that applies to sin. Oh, God may cause the universe to change. He may alter the way the world looks. But he remains the same. Psalm 102 tells us, In the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like clothing you will change them, and they will be discarded, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. Friends, God is the God of creation, and he holds this world in his hand, and he has complete power over all that he's created. He can change the heavens. He can change the earth. He can change the world. But he is unchanging. And he's eternal. God himself tells us in Malachi chapter 3, I, the Lord, do not change. James reminds us that every good and perfect gift 
is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And friends, this should give us great comfort. This, this should be our source of comfort, our source of peace. Because the God who has saved us, the God who has provided for us and lavished his love upon us in the past, right? We look back and we remember God's goodness. That's important because that same God never changes. And he will continue to do that for us into the future, and most importantly, friends, for all eternity. Aren't you glad that God never changes? Amen? We can depend on his nature to remain constant, to remain true. But what we see in the world today, friends, is a culture that wants a God that serves their needs. You ever hear anybody say something like, oh, my God would never do that. My God would never allow that. My God would never send anyone to hell. What they're saying is, I am going to create my own God. I want a God that fits what I want. I want to base it on what I think is best. And this is a product of what we just mentioned a few moments ago, this moral relativism that's crept into the world. That morality is relative. The idea that there is no absolute right, there is no absolute wrong. You know, what's right for me may not be right for you, but it's all acceptable. That's what the world says. It's nonsense. That's what they try to tell us. And unfortunately, we see this creeping into the church today as well. I'm, I'm sorry, but we do. We now see churches tolerating, even celebrating behavior that just a few years ago was considered an abomination. Do they really think that God had it wrong? Or that he's, you know, somehow kind of changed his mind about that? Friends, the reality is the God of creation, the God of the Bible has set the standard. And he doesn't change. He doesn't change his mind about anything. He doesn't change his mind about sin. He doesn't change his mind about what's right and what's wrong. Regardless of what we think or what we believe or what the world tries to tell us. You know, when God pursued Moses in the wilderness and he appeared to him in the burning bush, we read about that encounter in Exodus chapter 3. God said to Moses, I am who I am. In the original Hebrew, it's written, Eha, Asher, Eha. Eha being the first person form, the I form of the name Yahweh. Yahweh is the third person, the He. So the literal translation is, I will be what I will be. Doesn't say, I will be what you want me to be. God doesn't change. No matter what changes in this world, 
God will not change. Second thing that doesn't change is the purpose of the church. Purpose of the church will not change. Now, it does sort of beg the question, well, what exactly is the purpose of the church? Is the church here to entertain us? Is the church here to make us feel better about ourselves? Is the church here to meet all of our physical and emotional needs? Is the church here to right all of the social wrongs that we see in the world? Well, the answer, friends, is in Scripture. The answer may surprise you a little bit. It may not. But when we look to Scripture, we see that there are three main purposes of the church. The first main purpose, friends, is the exaltation of God, the glory of God, the worship of God. You know, last week we said that our purpose as individuals is to bring glory to God, to worship God. Ephesians 1 makes it clear that we are appointed in Christ to live to the praise of his glory. That is our purpose as individuals, is to bring glory to and worship God. But you know, that's also our purpose as a church. It's to worship. You know, Paul tells the church at Colossae to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Worship God through your song. But friends, remember that, that worship is, is not like a warm-up. You know, worship isn't like a, a preparation for something else. It is a major purpose of the church. The church, is, the church is here to glorify the God who created it. That's why Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, You, the church, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, which means set apart a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him, in other words, bring glory to and worship him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The church is here to glorify and worship God. Second purpose of the church is to minister to and grow believers. It's a big part of what the church is here for. I've, I've, I've quoted this before. You guys have heard me say this before, but 2 Peter chapter 3 tells us that we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this, this is not a suggestion, guys. You know, it doesn't say, you know, well, if it's not too much trouble... Or, or if you can find the time, squeeze it into your busy schedule. No, the original Greek is in the imperative. This is a command. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And friends, it is the obligation, the obligation of the church to build up believers to maturity in the faith. It is. It isn't enough to just bring people to a saving knowledge of the gospel, although that's wonderful. 
And that is another purpose of the church that we'll talk about in just a moment. But it isn't enough. You know, Paul tells the church at Colossae, in chapter 1 of that book, present everyone mature in Christ. Grow them up. We see Paul also tell the Ephesians, in chapter 4 of that letter, that God has gifted persons in the church to, as he says beginning at verse 12, equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith, very important unity, and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Hugely important for the church to focus on growing believers in the knowledge and the truth of the gospel. Why? Why is that so important? What's the big deal? Why do we grow in knowledge? Paul tells us as he continues in Ephesians chapter 4, he says that we grow so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. In other words, when the world tells us something, we are able to measure it. And what do we measure it against? The word of God, the truth that does not change. With knowledge, we are able to discern what is true and what is not. Again, our only goal cannot be to simply bring people to an initial saving faith. It's great, but our goal must be to grow them in the knowledge of God and present them mature in Christ. It's one of the major purposes of the church. The third purpose of the church <clears throat> We've alluded to this already. But the third purpose is evangelism. Evangelism. As we believers, as we grow in our knowledge of the gospel and the hope that it brings, we should be excited. We should be excited and we should want to share that hope with others. Sharing the gospel, friends, is the primary ministry of the church to the world. Sharing the gospel is the primary purpose of the church toward the world. How do we know? Jesus told us. Right? In Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, he said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In other words, evangelize. Go. And you know what? Again, it's not a suggestion. It's not a, hey, you know, if it's, if it's not too much trouble, can you go? Or if, if, if you don't mind, 
can you go? No, Jesus says, go and make disciples. Share the gospel. Bring them into the church. And then in verse 20 of Matthew 28, Jesus emphasizes what we just talked about because he goes on to say, teach them. Grow them up. Teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Again, grow them in the grace and knowledge of the truth. The truth. Because the truth, friends, does not change. So we've seen that regardless of what changes in the world or or what the world tries to tell us, we know that God will not change. We know the purpose of the church will not change. I said three, didn't I? So I do have one more. And this one, friends, is a little bit more personal to all of us. To everyone who calls Hope Church home. See, no matter what happens to this church, no matter who attacks it, no matter what changes we see, no matter who stands up here and shares every week, no matter who's in leadership, no matter who's on the council or leading ministries, the heart of Hope Church will not change. The heart of Hope Church will not change. Our purpose as an individual church won't change. How do I know that? Well, friends, this church was founded on guiding principles. We have a mission. We have a vision. We have a statement of beliefs. Those things will not change. We have a vision. You know, Proverbs tells us where there is no vision, the people perish. And this is absolutely true. I heard a story about a church that began serving chicken, fried chicken dinners one night a week as an outreach to the community. Good fried chicken, too. And th- these, these dinners became so popular, they said, let's do this twice a week. So they started doing it twice a week. And eventually, the dinners became so popular that they just shut down the church and became a restaurant. Now, there is a church that lost sight of their mission. There's a church that had no vision for the future. Now, I realize that our potlucks are really pretty awesome. We do not run the risk of shutting down and becoming a restaurant. Because that is not in line with our mission and or our vision. And we have a mission and a vision. What's our mission? Don't look up. Our mission is to honor God by loving our neighbors, sharing the gospel, and caring for one another. 
That is our mission. That is the principle on which we base our decisions. And this isn't something that, you know, five or six or whatever years ago, the steering team just kind of threw together and then slapped up on the wall. No. This was very prayerfully considered, and it is based on biblical mandates. And it actually parallels those purposes of the church that we talked about just a few moments ago. Now, the first part comes straight out of the greatest command, the two greatest commands. What, what are the two greatest commands? What are they? Love God, love others, right? We love God. So we honor him. We honor him. And one of the ways that we honor him is by loving others. But, you know, we also honor him, although it's not spelled out specifically in our mission. We honor him with our worship. With our worship. One of the principal purposes of the church, again, is worship. And Hope Church places great emphasis on worship. Everything we do on Sunday morning is worship, and the rest of the week for that matter. It's all about worshiping God. Obviously, the songs that we sing are worship, very carefully chosen. They're a form of worship. The preaching of the word is worship. The teaching of the children is worship. Even the offering, friends, is worship. Never forget that giving back to God a portion of what he's blessed you with is a form of worship. And we're called to worship God. It's one of the purposes of the church. So we honor God by loving our neighbors. And, and who's our neighbor? Everybody's our neighbor, right? So we love everybody. What about our enemies? We love them. What about the people who hate us? We love them. We love them, and we do pray for them. Absolutely. And then we share the gospel. We share the gospel. We go out and we evangelize. Another purpose of the church. And by that evangelism, we are being obedient to Jesus' command to go, right? Jesus said, go. We go. We share the gospel. We go and we make disciples of all nations. Another way that we honor God is being obedient to his command to share the gospel. And the final component, the final component of caring for one another is, is, is actually multifaceted. It's multifaceted. Now, we know that throughout the New Testament, we are told to love one another. And the one another that Paul's talking about when he says love one another, that's, that's within the body of Christ. Love one another. But it goes so much further than that because how, do you know how many one another's there are in the New Testament? No? Neither do I, but there's a bunch. There's a bunch. We are told to be at peace with one another. We're told to honor one another. It says, don't grumble against one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Bear one another's burdens. Serve one another. Encourage one another. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. Accept one another. Don't bite, devour, consume one another. Don't challenge or envy one another. 
be devoted to one another in love in Christ. That's what we mean when we say our mission is to care for one another. But there is one more facet. Because one of the ways that we care for one another is helping each other grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Said it many times over the past four years, friends, our goal here at Hope Church is to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's one of the three purposes of the church. So we take Paul's instructions seriously when he says, present everyone mature in Christ. So we preach the truth on Sunday. But we also create spaces that we can learn and grow. There's Bible studies. There's youth ministries. And as we grow, friends, as we continue to grow in number, I pray that we would see more and more of this different Bible studies, different small groups, things like that, that will help us all to grow and mature in the faith. Why? Because we don't want to be children tossed about by every wind of doctrine or the lies that this world has a habit of telling us. Yeah, things in this world may change, friends. But praise be to God that he will not. The purpose of the church universal will not. And friends, the heart of Hope Church will not. So to some of the changes that you see in the world, kind of have you on edge, maybe a little anxious. Hey, do the changes that are occurring here at Hope Church have you concerned? Don't be. Don't be. The God of creation has this all under control. This is his world. This is his church. And for those who place their faith in Jesus Christ, in Isaiah 41, God says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Friends, remember that. Write that on a note card. Carry it with you. Memorize it. Let that be your peace. Let that be your comfort. Because, friends, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you. We praise you. We thank you so much for the hope and the truth and the fact that we can count on you. When this world seems to be spinning out of control, Father, we know that you've got it all in your hand. And Lord, we just, we thank you for your church and pray that you would continue to strengthen and, and, and bless your church, Lord, that you would protect your church. And that you would allow us to be about the business of building 
your church, of building your kingdom here on earth. Father, bless us, and may we never forget that you never change. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.